0: that's what the Lord in his in his sovereignty allowed me just was like if you want to walk that way and he fully allowed me to and um, and eventually when I was 22 years old I went to prison
1: Hey guys you're listening to the Rain and Life podcast a movement for all men to rise up and take hold of their identities in Christ I'm excited to get to a bunch of questions that I have written down and I was up at two o'clock in the morning Thinking of just those last minute things I want to get out of you. But before we go there, introduce yourself, man.
0: Uh, my name is Nick Griffin. Um, I am a fool for Christ. I um, am the pastor of a church called One Church here in Port Orange. It's in the Florida area and uh, Daytona Beach area. I've been in prison, out of prison, in sin, called righteous. And for the last 10 years, been serving the Lord faithfully with all my heart.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I like uh, I was listening to Jesus Culture podcast and Banning Leapshires saying uh, about Kim Walker Smith, like I am Kim Walker Smith's pastor. Like I feel that <laughs> about you, that 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 same uh, sort of pride. Like you're my pastor, man. I'm, I'm so happy to have you uh, in front of us, just teaching us. And I I'm drawn immediately drawn to your energy. uh I'm immediately drawn to just your passion for the word and to keep it real, yeah. uh, and not care about who it is that you offend. It's that two-edged sword that you were talking about last week. So I, I actually never got to hear your testimony. So I wanted to see if you would jump in
0: yeah. there. 100%. So I was born and raised in a church and the church was like, Five thousand people, right? Um, this guy named Pastor John Corson, Applegate Christian Fellowship. He uh he started in the seventies, yo, baptizing like and now keep in mind in Oregon, like it's way hippie. We're talking about right. like there's like free love hippie like in, in San Francisco. We're talking about like in the hills hippies were like their convent living, you know, yeah. like like this crazy stuff. So he shows up there in the seventies and um his first baptism, he calls for a baptism and uh, and um, 30 people show up naked because that's just how they did it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this guy in the middle of nowhere, the Lord called him to a place and like, and then from that small work, 30 people, right. 5,000 people came out of this church. And this guy never... Never stopped teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, book by book, verse by verse, year by year, like 40 years deep. So I grew up at a church that was always open the Bible, always through this, always expository. Um, And as a kid, I never like, I never like obviously appreciated it. Um, But I was in the church. And then um, I think when I was around 15 years old, my whole identity was wrapped in church. Um, my best friend was like the youth pastor, you know what mom. I mean? I was just like a church kid. Uh, my mom, um, uh, remarried. So I have, I have a stepdad who's my actual father. Sure. Um, and, uh, so my mom, before my dad even knew Christ, my mom would come and bring me and my brothers, uh, to the church ever since I was five. Right. right. So, um, Long story short, um, for the first time inside the church, like a youth pastor, there was a change. Once my youth pastors started a church, there was a new youth pastor. And, um, and as a kid, like he really embarrassed me, like in a way that I was like, I'll never go back to youth group. And, um, and so I left that place, but I swung right into like high school football. Right. And I was always a good athlete, um, so when I left the council of the house of God, I left all my friends, everything. But there was another group of people that were because of what God had created me to be in athletics, that like welcomed me, True. but they came with all this garbage, exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> right? Do this, smoke that, all these things, and so that set off like a seven year stint of what people probably give themselves over to their twenties, right? From the age of I was fourteen. To twenty two, I just went so hard. Like for instance, I had two DUIs, by the before I was 18. Wow. So people, because I, I don't know if you want to call it this. I'm an extremist. <laughs> Depends what you an extremist <laughs> in, but I like it. Hit it. I can't do anything. Um, 75%, okay. 50%. Yeah, I'm you gotta go 100% either all in, in yeah. or I'm all out of I this. I like it. And so, um, and so that's what the Lord in his, in his sovereignty allowed me just was like, if you want to walk that way, and he fully allowed me to. And, um, and eventually when I was 22 years old, I went to prison. Um, I was doing an organ then what's legal now, if that makes sense. Okay. And, uh, and a guy had owed me money. I received stolen property. And, uh, and so in the state of Oregon, if you receive something that's stolen, Um, and you consciously know it's stolen. It's an automatic felony. So I had a couple of other felonies before that, but they hit me with five felonies, like a theft one for receiving three theft points for selling stolen property, a felon in possession of a firearm, um, and multiple different things. And so, uh, at that point, and it's, it's funny to say this though, but like by God's grace, it landed me 13 months in prison. Um, which. On the spectrum of prison sentences it's actually the least amount possible really so you're talking about jail is anything under um a year prison is anything over a year so i got 13 months and then um and so i completed that and in there there was a guy named thomas mcguire uh he was a black gentleman um who the reason why that's even apropos is because uh race is really segregated in prison right and um, and so there's a black gentleman that that we had been transported together, uh, chained together, essentially, is what it is. And his dad was a Baptist preacher, man. And this guy, bro, <laughs> he like had repented, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, and he was just seeking the Lord, changing his life. And he kept asking me if I wanted to go to uh, if I wanted to go to um church, man. In prison, you don't want to go to church because there's an unwritten rule. That anybody who is a, um, a snitch or a pedophile, okay, like you don't, you don't want to associate with those people. exactly. So prison politics is, they're not even allowed to associate. It's like, it's like, that's what they call doing hard time. When you're fully isolated, you're extorted by gangs, sure. like all this stuff, you know what I mean? And so like, so the one place that they were safe that nobody went to was, was church, Right. right? And, um, and so when my friend was saying, come to church with me, he is saying, step out of this political prison system exactly, and, um, and come fellowship with Jesus. And at the end of the day, even though I wasn't gangbanging, um, even though I had friends that were gangbangers, um, you just don't do it. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. like you just, you just don't. And, um, and so, um, I went there and uh and the guy leading worship was was imprisoned for um raping his own sister and so um i didn't know a lot about what church was but i just i felt this hatred for him okay um because i'm like how are you supposed to be leading me in worship right and like and i know who you are <laughs> um and like there was this thing inside of me that's like that's like i know i should be here i realized now it was the spirit of god saying you need to be here but there was this flesh tendency to, to look at people and um and automatically think that because my crimes are different yes that we're different people yeah right and um but we're still wearing the same prison uniform. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Bro? At the same place. It don't we're matter what you're in stuff. there for, dude. You're like, what are you? You're, you're like your department, your, your state, your state property, man. Right. So um, I remember the Holy Spirit at that point. He said, "Hey, close your eyes." And which a is another thing you don't do in prison. <laughs> Sleep with your eyes open. You know what I'm saying, dude? So the Holy Spirit is like, "Hey, you need to step out of this." Out of this world system. But I'm nice. looking at hindsight 50-50 or it's 20-20. Right. right. And um, and so I'm looking, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit's saying, step out of that place, step into step into a place that makes you uncomfortable. Um, and then when he's also the Lord's asking me to um to close my eyes, and I just remember be like, ah. but I but for whatever reason the peace of the Holy Spirit came upon my heart and um I closed my eyes and all I heard was worship. Wow, you know what I mean? And it was just like and the Lord began to minister, and then the chaplain gave a word. Um, and that was it. The problem was, if it was up to me, I would have never went back. But anytime you have to like write in a kite to go to um church because they have to keep account of where all the inmates are, right? right? And so to get on that list took me a week to get on that list to get off that list takes me three weeks. Right. So whether I like it or not, yeah, you're bro, stuck, you're I at stuck, least bro. I can't <laughs> not show up there yeah. or I, you know, they throw you in solitary and they punish you. So like, so I'm like, Oh, this is so dumb. I well, <laughs> gotta come back to this place.
1: It's a good system.
0: It is, <laughs> man. And like, and I just remember being in that place and I just kind of got a little bit more used to it and comfortable. And, um, I think the next time I was in there, they showed a video of Joyce Myers. Okay, and there was this group of old ladies, bro, six not sixties, eighties, like eighties, right? Just in there, bro, ministering, loving like these prisoners. And I just remember feeling I stepped in there, and these were the only people that had treated me like a human in a year. Wow. you know what I mean. And so, like, so that part I liked these these old ladies and these uh, chaplain people. Um, but to make a long story short. Um, I think the last three months of my sentence, um, I was, uh, I was in prison the last three months of my sentence. Um, actually I was in church, excuse me. And so I really didn't start going to church till three months to the end, but I was at this place where I didn't want to go back and I didn't want to, um, make the same mistakes again. I wanted to better my life. Um, and there was a guy a month before I left that came in. He was a Pakistani missionary sent to America to light America on fire for the person of Jesus. Wow. (laughs) So this dude straight in the middle East, 2000 people go to his church in an Islamic state. Right. Right. And, um, and he comes in and I just remember, dude, he had this authority, authority. Like he could barely speak English. She was like, but, but he, I was trying like to figure out my life. And he talked about Lot's wife, don't look back. Um, and he was talking about the importance of moving forward, but he was like, like raise your hands and just start crying out. to, And like everything he said, I just could not not do because of this authority. Right. And as I'm there in this worship service, the Lord's meeting me and ministering to me deeply and, uh, and in this, in this pivotal moment in my life, and then the, the, this is the one time that I was absolutely sure God was speaking to me. He said, you need what he has. And that was all the Lord said. And so I was a prideful man and everybody wanted to like shake his hand afterwards. Sure. So I went, I went bro at, at the end, um, of the line to meet him. And people were talking and time was getting short to go back to the cell block. And, um, and I was the last person. And, um, and bro, I just said, Anwar, like, I need what you have. And he literally looked at me. I'll never forget it, bro. He said, uh, what do I have to give my son? <laughs> <laughs> just like that, I'm sure. Bro, just like that, 100%. And I was like, Anwar, I don't even know, but I need what you have. And he looked at me, bro, with that same authority. He said, have you ever been baptized by the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, "Onward! I don't even know what that is. You know what I mean? And like, he just took out this oil and, and you're not, you're not supposed to touch inmates and inmates aren't supposed to touch you. And so like, and so essentially like he pulls out this oil and I hear this yard in yard in and that's our call to go. And Anwar just like pours this oil, lays his hand on me and, um, and just, I don't even know what he's saying, but I just feel this peace, bro, like this peace. And I almost want to say like, yeah, taking a weight on, off, like all this decompression, but like in light of a weight that like, that's just attributed to like his glory, Right. right? His sense that I'm with you. I'm sealed. Now I know where I'm like, man, the Holy spirit seals you. It was my moment where he is like, you're my son. You know what I mean? And nothing from this point on, is going to change that.
1: That's powerful. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the show real quick. There are guys out there that need to hear this. And maybe, you know, someone that needs to hear this specifically guys, would you take a quick moment? And if the Lord is putting this on your heart, share this with them. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, go ahead and click that like button. Don't forget to subscribe. Let's get back to the show.
0: So I got out of prison, man. And, um, a couple months later was at the church and, uh, was trying to hang, lay low. Um, Cause you're 5,000 people, I'm like, I'm gonna blend in. Sure. But the people that I went to the church with when I was younger are now older and I had grown up with their kids. So they would known me. But it was like it was like a prodigal son thing, you know, because I'd been to that church for the last 20 years, right? Yeah. So I'd come back and um my mom has always been there faithful to that place. And um and they entreated me like a son. That's awesome. And uh took me under their wing, discipled me exposited things to me and um and I've never been the same so what was what would you say while
1: you were still in that experience was the one hardest thing if you can nail it down to one thing
0: <sighs> um changing your thinking I mean like as much as it is because like push-ups are easy <laughs> dominating people is easy, right? If, I mean, like all you need is like, um, you don't have to be the strongest. You can be Mike Tyson crazy and people will just like not want to get their ear bit off. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's exactly. so like, so, so, so not getting messed with isn't as hard as deprogramming like what I think is best for my life right. and what God's calling me into. To show that into perspective, when I was six months into the penitentiary, I applied for beauty school to to uh, when I get out. The reason is, is inside the penitentiary, right. the best job you could ever have is being a barber. And everybody on the on the cell block takes care of you. Nobody likes a jacked up haircut, right. no matter if you're in prison or anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Nobody <laughs> exactly. likes a jacked up haircut, bro. To wait for and it. so, like, and so they'll take care of you if anybody messes with you. The gang's yeah. like, "Hey, that's our barber. You better, exactly. you know what I mean? You just exactly. stop, bro." You're, you're part, you're part <laughs> and so, what I'm getting at is my thought process. I'm like, when I'm, I'm signing up for beauty school, not because I think that barbering is going to be a good vocation for me when I get out, but the idea was this. When I get out, I'm going to continue to sell drugs. I'm going to continue to make money. And not if I come back to prison, but when I come back to prison, wow. I'll have schooling to solidify my existence here exactly for my future benefit. Right. So in my mind, I'm like, like this inmate institutionalized, like urban culture mindset is like, is I'm setting myself up for failure. Yeah. And then when I come back in here, who cares about my student loans? I'm in prison. You know what I mean? Like, like what are they going to do? And so you say,
1: uh, you say failure, but I mean, what you were thinking in your mind was actually your survival. You were thinking that this was the way that you were going to get through this and no other way
0: at all. And like, so like, so even like coming out of that and that was crazy because I still went into beauty school um, because I was already accepted and everything was there but like but i really had to change my mindset on like there is no going back sure right like i'm a new person exactly i don't have to be subject to anything that the world says i have to be subject to i just have to be subject to his word and trust and in the beginning like anybody that's the hardest thing is just trusting what his word says despite what you think yeah and now i have some tangible time about a decade To where I'm looking back and I'm just like, I trust you now. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like people are the same tendencies are the same. And so like, so I'm able to see patterns of people and they just kind of recycle like fashion recycles. But I'm able to look back and say, man, if, if I would just, I could say something to my to my person back there it would be like just stay the course well wow. you know what i mean just yeah. read it just, and just stay it bro that's awesome. <laughs> that's, it's
1: funny because that's my next question i yeah. i'm thinking if you can go back and talk to 22 23 year old self what would you say and you and you think it is hey
0: dive in bro but the problem is is would i even listen Wow. You know what yeah. I mean? Like no, the problem the is that's if like proof. I came back, bro, and like some sort of like Hollywood movie, like back to the future. And I'm like, I'm future Nick, right? like talking to younger Nick and like, bro, don't do these things. And then I would have left. I would have been like. I'm so high right now. <laughs> just to be yeah, honest. just to be honest, because I'm like because the the question is is like would I ever even learn the crazy thing like this and this is like the crazy aspect of God. My life was was perfectly like like he knew what I needed to go through. Yeah, and so my life without prison. It's not even who I am. I'm, I'm not even, I don't even identify with that anymore, but even to the point of like, like I couldn't have been here without that exactly. ever. And God out of his love was like, listen, if you're going to go this way, I'm going to use what you have in my sovereignty to bring you back right to this. You're going to be going through complete brokenness so you can come back and I can build on, on a solid foundation, exactly. um, and like, and so the crazy thing is, is prison is the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. And that's like weird to say. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? But only you know what it is that you needed to, you know, snap you out of right. it. And he you didn't hit me t- with like, God didn't hit me with like five years, right. uh, which is like a minimum. Like when you're talking about people, minimum time in custody is probably about five years. Yeah. Three is like a short term for prison. So the fact that I had like 13 months, like the most minimal aspect, just enough to pick me up, spank my butt, send me to my freaking room, um, and to look back now, and I'm just like, it's all perfect, bro. Exactly. It's weird to say, but you
1: know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's good to see it that way because if, if a lot of times what we can do is we can look back at our experiences and say – You know, well, what if this, what would, if I would have made this different decision and I wish I would have never done this. We get stuck in this regret and we get stuck in this place of bitterness, maybe even towards the system, Yeah. uh, especially when you're getting, when you're getting um, that title of felony put onto your record. And so I think it really highlights the fact that the Lord says to not, I mean, we're not victims, right? We're not victimizing ourselves. You can look at this one thing and think about his glory, right? All things work out for good for those who love him. Or you can just sit there and consider the fact that you were stuck in prison that this, yeah. this, this did happen to you and you are stuck behind this guy's or whatever it is that's going on, um, but I, I think it's awesome that you look at it that way.
0: And the, well, the crazy thing is, is that like um, I think it talks about in Hebrews that Jesus, you know, he the fact that he came down in the likeness of the form of men, it. The whole purpose in Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews four, five or six, somewhere in there. But it talks about like seeing now that we have a great high priest who who has compassion. Right? He's been through the same things that we've been through. And like the crazy thing is when you're talking about church, something I never even thought about, but like is so evident. we like where there are so many people that are inside the church whose uncle, aunt, brother, cousin, uh, husband are going through prison, bro. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, and, and at the end of the day, like, I never wanted this. I never thought I would ever be this, but God, every Sunday, you're just preaching the word. And you're legitimately giving hope to people. It's like, if God can do this in Nick, right. Then he can, then there's hope for my children. Exactly. And there's hope. And so like, so I never would have been like, I want to be an ambassador for everybody that's in prison. Right. Um, But the Lord knew, and that's just one small sliver. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, um, and of of what it would look like and, and how the glory of God can be displayed in that way. Yeah. And so um so yeah, you're we're not victims. Um, I look at this word and I'm like, man, I made these grown decisions to be there. But at the end of the day, if I'm willing to allow God to train me, um, he can bring me out. Exactly. <laughs>
1: as actually, as you say that, I'm reminded of something I just recently wrote. So I just want to pull it up and be able to to see what you think about it. And it has to do with that piece of having our, um, give me a second. Yeah. Perfect. Here it is. So, okay, here we go. So it says, I wrote, when we choose to look at our pains, our bruises, and our marks through the lenses of grace, faith, and love, We see so clearly how Jesus is the perfecter of all things. We see that our marks, our scars, are actually testimonies for the encouragement of others going through what we went through. In other words, my struggle, which became my testimonies, are now war stories that will equip other men to fight their own battles. And instead of shame and condemnation, the cuts and scuffs on my armor are repurposed for the comfort of others. With them, we will say, I was there once, twice, and thrice before. I went through it, and you can too.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's crazy because we can't declare victory until we gain victory ourselves. You know what I mean? Oh, I can't I tell that. people like, "Hey, <laughs> there's freedom in Christ, but I'm chained to everything." You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Like, like unless unless the Lord like does something in my broken vessel, it's like, then how can I tell any? And and so when we begin to communicate. Um, when we begin to, be, begin to look at these scars, or the, we begin to look at these things, and you're right, there, there's purpose in it. It's the fact that, like, that we've been through some pain, we've been through some battle, and these are testimony to be sure that, like, that not only have we been through the battle, we we've been scarred, but the one who we follow is is faithful, victorious, right, and. How do you know that? Because I've seen him on the battlefield. Exactly. Unleash um, <laughs> yeah. his authority, that's it. you know? And he's not people that... Are, he's not a God that's like, go and die. Um, he's he's like a God that leads it in the way that I'm wow. laying down my life. Right. Upon his resurrection, he's like, follow me. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not like, you go die, I'll, I'll sit in my king's throne. You
1: know, yeah. <laughs> we... Um, Here's what we'll do. We'll cut this one here and we'll pick up on another another 20 minutes Let's of do encouragement. It. Let's do it. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Rain in Life podcast. Let's continue the conversation over at IReignInLife.com. There you'll find videos, podcast episodes, and other resources that will help you reign in life. Until then, continue to march.